Friends, the time has come. Finally, you've been waiting. You've been waiting for weeks. And finally, we are debuting Horror 365. I am your host, the host that covers the most, Jimmy J, alongside with my right-hand man, most of you know him as South Jersey Jason. Some of you, if you're lucky, know him as Brian. But he is here, and he is better than ever. I want to I give you the floor right now, Brian. How the hell are you, man? Talk. Talk to the horror heads out there. I am doing good. I am glad that we finally got this off with weeks of preparation. You know, uh, this is something I've been wanting to do is, you know, have a podcast of my on my own. And it's actually, you know, with a good friend of mine that we're doing this weekly podcast and uh, we can talk all things horror. It's not just one day a year, which people think is just Halloween. It's every day, 365. It's true. The fact is, you know, the real horror fans, they know it's not just in October. It's every single day, man. So go ahead, continue what you're saying. Yeah, so you know, uh, Halloween is my number one favorite holiday of the year. And then as soon as Halloween's over, I'm already gearing up for next year's Halloween because that's like my busy season with the cosplaying. So um, I've been cosplaying for going on two years in September now. So I'm a late bloomer in the cosplay world. I'm like what you would call a uh, senior citizen in cosplay. <laughs> you know, you use that term late bloomer. I think of, I think of Chucky. What is it? The, the, the seed of Chucky is like, he's a late bloomer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I'm like, in uh, that I know of, I'm like the second oldest cosplayer. I have a friend of mine who is 47. So, but he's oh, been doing it for years though. You know, where I got into the field when I was... 39, I'll be, you know, I'm going to be 42 this year. So, um, Dude, age is a number, Brian. Age, age is, is a number. Just a number. Age is just a number. I just got to keep the uh, the physical part down. I'm getting old. The bones are getting a little tired there. So. Uh, listen, don't no worry. I'm going to keep you motivated here uh, on this show here, Horror 365. And you know what? This is the debut episode. And I'm, I'm so excited about this because, you know, a lot of people know me for, well, various things. But this has always been a passion of mine, horror. And before I get into to me, I want the fans, the people that don't know who Brian E. Brian E. I don't want to pronounce. I don't want to throw your government out there. I don't know if you mind. Emin Heiser, right? Very good. Not I got. It. I said it right. A lot of people are gonna get it wrong. Yes. But, but I said it. Brian Emin Heiser. They don't know who you are, uh, or maybe they don't know who South Jersey Jason is. I want you to give a little bit of background about yourself, so the fans well, that don't know. Brian's just an average guy who works a nine to five job. I work in the field with people with disabilities. I've been doing that for fifteen years. So during the day. I'm changing lives, but on the weekend, I'm wrecking lives, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. So, um, you know, I, I've been doing this for 15 years, and I've always loved film. Uh, I loved horror, maybe it's a very early age, and Friday the 13th is near and dear to me with the original being filmed in Jersey. And when my wife and I moved into a house, you know, I was only dressing up for Halloween because I just wanted to scare the kids. And, you know, that got me kind of into the role of cosplaying with uh, starting off at an event at the local mall. And then that just blossomed into to this wonderful world of cosplay. I uh, got to meet a lot of great people, networking. So the cosplay is like a, like a part-time job, but sometimes it feels like a full-time job. Um, and that has opened some doors for me to be able to fundraise for events. So that's what I also focus on with the cosplay is when I can, you know, do a fundraiser, whether it's for uh, a local animal shelter or a museum or maybe uh, independent film that needs some extra funds, I do whatever I can just to give them a few bucks. Nice. Yeah, I was about to tell you, uh, well, ask you rather, 
uh, as far as the cosplaying gigs um, that, that you do, uh, for you, what was that one moment, if there's multiple, you can talk about multiple, what was that one moment that really stood out to you since uh, being a cosplayer? Yeah, well, I got two, actually. So the first one, um, and I told you this before, but for the people watching, I went to Blairstown for the opening of the Friday the 13th Museum back in September of uh, 2019. And I'm in costume, and I have my merchandise, and you know, people were coming up, taking photos, and someone had said, so what movie were you in? And I was like, thank you. I was like, you know, just going like this because I told them that is the biggest compliment you can give anyone that um, cosplays as a character, whether it's in a movie or a TV show. Um, I, and I, I was like, well, CJ Graham, Ari Lehman, they're right across the street, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so plus they got, you know, about eight inches on me too. So um uh, for them to say that, like, oh, thanks. Um, the second one happened fairly recently, back in October, when I was one of the um, uh, entertainers, entertainers, sorry, uh, for the Halloween party, the showboat. Oh. You know, um, that was something I, you know, any cosplayer, when they get into the field, they strive to be featured at something. So whether it's at something local or something bigger, such as the Halloween party, you know, to have someone reach out to me says, my hard work has finally paid off. So working that event that night, it was a great experience because I just got to walk around and be in character for like six hours and to hear my name on the loudspeakers. You know, that just gives you a whole new adrenaline. And then uh, my wife took some video so I got to see me come in and while I did a good entrance, I critiqued myself and I said, I need, I need to do this for the next time a little bit better. But yeah, those were the two um, things that really stand out to me. Well, listen, I'm happy that actually one of those moments was at the Halloween gig that we did, man, because you know what? You did a tremendous job Thank and you. people that don't know this. Okay. You didn't just show up cosplay slay and leave okay <laughs> you actually were behind the scenes and you did a lot of work behind the scenes for us and and you're uh, an elite member of this team and you know you're a jack of all trades brian and people don't know this man and then you're always helping out okay you're just a genuine human being i appreciate you you know the team loves you i love you man this is why we're here we're doing this horror 365 i know this is your passion and folks it's my passion as well. And today on the debut episode, what we're going to do, uh, I wanted to start off like this. I wanted to start off talking about your top five horror movies of all time. And then, you know, next week we'll get to mine and then we'll you know, spice it up a little bit here and there. We'll have some guests on the show. I mean, because folks, this is all going to be about horror in general. It's not just about movie reviews. It's not just about interviews. It's, it's about everything and all layers of horror okay i mean we're talking about maybe kills we'll be talking about you know maybe makeup one day uh you know voices in horror or scream queens whatever it is that we're going to be discussing there's nothing off limits as long as it has to do with horror and well brian for those that may not know okay i'll give a little bit of backstory about myself uh i've been i've been promoting i've been doing work since honestly only 2018 um, you know, I've always wanted to be in the field, always wanted to do entertainment, uh, or get involved in pro wrestling. I did that a little bit, uh, but, uh, horror is one of my passions. So I definitely want to get involved with, uh, something with horror. And this is why I thought about it. I'm like, okay, we could throw these events because those that know I host some events in Atlantic city in New York, 
I'm heavily involved in the pro wrestling community and I'm trying to get more heavily involved in the horror community. So, you know, we had that Halloween event that you mentioned. I think it was a success for what it was, man. It was during the pandemic. You know, there was a lot going on. Uh, We did sell out uh, the capacity limits. Didn't look like it, but we did. Um, So I was happy about that. And I'm like, I want something more, you know? And I'm like, damn, we, we got we to gotta do something else. And then I reached out to you, and boom, here we are. Horror 365. I'm not going to give too much in details about me because this episode, Brian, this is about you. But I do want to ask you a question. Yeah, go ahead. Ask me. Growing, ask away. Up, growing up, did you stand in front of a mirror with a brush and just go at it like you were a uh, MC of an event or, uh, you know, uh, like Gene Okerlin or, you know, Bobby Brain Heenan? Dude, I got to be honest with you. No, I, I always was the kid that was hitting people over the head in, in junior high with pie pans uh, and in house household utensils. Uh, I got in trouble one time. Funny story real quick. I got in trouble one time in sixth grade for taking my mother's pie pie plate. It was circle pie plate, yeah, yeah. cake plate, whatever. And I went into the gym and I started whacking kids over the head because we had this thing called hallway brawway and it was all wrestling related. And we would just beat each other up. And the, uh, the gym teacher caught me hitting the kids in the head in the, in the locker room with it. And I had no clue he was right behind me. Took away the pie plate, contacted the dean. They called my parents. Okay. I got home. I was safe. I deleted the message. I thought I was in the clear. No, I come back to school and he's like, well, your mother never called me. He called again. And there was a big meeting in the school, man. Dude, I was that kid. I was the kid that was always like wrestling and doing things like that. I thought I was going to be a wrestler, honestly. and. You know, that never came to fruition. I kind of didn't want to do it either way. Um, and I just, I don't know, man. I thought it was going to be EMS. And that's weird because people don't know this. I was an EMT seven years in New York. Um, my cousin was an EMT, passed away. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. And I think I wanted to do it because of him. And it wasn't because of me. And I found that out. I got hurt in the job one day. And one thing led to the next. And I just started switching things around, man. I wanted to be, you know, working for myself doing something different. Uh, I said, what are my passions? And I wrote them down and, and really wrestling was number one. So I started doing the little uh, hype videos, if you will, or, or recaps of these indie events. And I noticed like, it's just the energy that I have is natural. It's not, yeah. I, I don't have to like, I could turn it up. Yeah. It'll be over the top, but it's, it's just there. And I didn't know it. And people pointed it out. Like, you know, Jimmy, you know, what you got here is, is pretty good. Just, you know, clean it up a little bit and uh, it's going to be phenomenal. That's what somebody told me. I says, no, you out of your mind, man. I think it's just, you know, me being me. And that's what led into the promo videos. That's what led into, you know what? Maybe I can do something with this. People reached out to me to do promotions for them and to be a mic guy. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And I love events. I love hosting events. I love uh, always going to events, you know, whatever it was. And and there I am, hosting them now. Atlantic City is my, back, my backyard, I call it. It's uh, my home away from home. I live in New York, born and raised here. I'm dying to get out of here, uh, like any true New Yorker, after being here for a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I, I can't wait. I, I really can't wait to get out of here. And I can't wait to do more events, you know, with South Jersey Jason, with, with the whole team that we have. We have a solid team, Brian. And people yeah. are going to see the team uh, at these events. I mean, the next big one is nothing to do with horror. But, hey, folks, cheap plug here. 80s in April, April 24th. It's going down. Uh, that, that's exciting. I, I can't wait for that event. And Brian, you're going to be there. And I'll be there. Yep. What do you think? When you hear 80s, one of the three things I think of is wrestling, music, 
and horror movies. Yeah. Okay, slasher films. And I'm dying to know your top five here because I think about it here. Friday 13. Are we going to get five Friday 13 movies? You're Jason wow, Cosby. You are we getting all five of them? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't want to be too cliche. So it was very tough picking just five because there's so many horror movies that I've watched growing up and we would be here all day, all night, <laughs> tomorrow, going over every single one. So I narrowed it down to five and um, they're a little mainstream, you know, um, it's not like anything B movies or, you know, real shout out though to the universal monsters because when I was young, you know, five, six, seven, AMC for their monster fest, they, when they played it, you know, for a week in October, it wasn't recent movies. It was the universal monster movies from the thirties up until like the fifties. So, you know, you had your Frankenstein, your Dracula, uh, your Wolfman, but they also played the fly, son of the fly, the blob, things like that. Those are very hard to find on regular TV now. So those were a staple in my childhood. So we could do an episode on Universal Monster movies. Um, but I, I have a wide selection. You might be you might be shocked by some of them. I, I can't I can't wait, Brian. And I want to touch on that real quick. Universal Monsters. Um, do you think like as I heard some news, people were talking about them uh remaking some of these Universal Monster movies. Now, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing and why? Uh, I think it's a good thing because I, you know, that's to me is historical value in, in the world of cinema and the younger generation, they don't know the real Dracula. They only know like, uh, gosh, I can't think of their most recent Dracula movie. I mean, there was Dracula Unborn or something that came out a few years ago and that kind of started the resurgence of the universal but it dealt more with Vlad the Impaler than like the Bela Lugosi Dracula. Yeah. So I think if the, if the kids of this generation aren't educated by their parents, it, it's going to get lost. So I do think it's good, but unfortunately they were off to a bad start um, because you had Tom Cruise's The Mummy oh. to start it over again. That was just horrible. The Wolfman that came out, you know, about 10 years ago with Benicio Del Toro, I actually liked that, even though the critics panned it and it didn't um, do well at the box office. I like the fact that it was a period piece. To me, yeah. those movies need to stay in the period, you know, don't yeah. bring it to today's setting, keep it, you know, in the time frame that it was originally set, um, you know, so... They're redoing the Wolfman again. That's an early pre-production. I think the success of the Invisible Man. Oh, that was a good one. And it was good. And you know what? They they turned they changed it just a little bit, which I did like. They set it in today's standards, and instead of like a magic potion, it was a suit. You yeah. know, so that was original. And I, you know, I did like that. So if they can keep it in that tone, it can work in today's standards. But the one thing that's killing a lot of horror movies is the CGI. Oh, yeah. You need as much practical effects as you can get. Look at the new Star Wars movies that came out. They mm -hmm. weren't the best, but they went back to practical, where the trilogy before that was all digital, and that's what killed it for me. Yeah, you know, it's crazy because, like, people think, oh, wow, you know, computers are all this technology, we're advanced, uh, let's do everything digitally. And, you know, sometimes, 
old is new, you know, like sometimes old is better. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, people say I'm stuck in the eighties and nineties, but you know what, Brian, I just think it was not only a simpler time in the Mm nineties when I was growing up, but you know, it's just, things were just original and they were better. And and nowadays, you know, everything you have, I feel like is remade. Dude, there's not a lot of original movies out there. Like I want to touch on this real quick. I just watched the movie. Um, I never seen it before. It's 2018. Hereditary. Did you see that movie? It was horrible. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I got to be honest with you. It, I got to disagree. Uh, I, just because of the fact of... Let me just edit that real quick. It was good up until the very end. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Okay. The ending was... Uh, what the fuck moment? I had a, Listen, listen. We're, we're holding no punches here, folks. Uh I was like, what, what is this about? Yeah. Like the movie was, it was creepy, man. And, and right. it legitimately, that was the first movie I've seen in a very long time that actually sent a chill down my spine and scared me just a little bit while I was watching it, man. And there's not many movies that do that. Okay. Yeah. Period. And especially nowadays. Uh, so now, forewarn you, if you do watch the follow up to that, like from the director, Midsummer. That was a snooze fest. Uh, People said if you didn't like Hereditary, you would like Midsummer, And then people that didn't like Midsummer like Hereditary. I didn't like it at all. I fell asleep probably within the first 20 minutes of it and would maybe wake up every so often and fall asleep. My wife watched it and she was just like, what the hell did I just watch? (laughs) But, you know, to get back to what you were saying, where it scared you a little bit, I have to say the first Conjuring, the music creeped the hell out of me. And that's the first time in a long time that I felt that way. And it didn't have anything to do with the pop scares. It was the music. Dude, music is so important in movies. You know, you think about music and movies, and, and we're probably going to have an episode on, on that. You know, um, I think of The Shining. Yo, yeah. I, I think of The Shining. That, the music, the tone of that movie, put it over the top. Yeah. You know, you know, Jack Nicholson did one hell of a job at playing yeah. playing a crazy guy. I mean, the guy is crazy in real life. <laughs> you know, I think. <laughs> but I mean, the movie, he did an incredible job. I think all of them uh, did. And, and, you know, Shelley Duvall, backstory to that, uh, from what I what I remember is that, you know, the producer or the director, I forgot, was just harassing her during this mm-hmm. movie. Like mm-hmm. she was getting tortured during the movie. So those scenes where she was acting like she was really. Yeah. You know, getting tortured. She probably was really feeling that. So it looked yeah. real, <laughs> you know, like, so it added to it. And, you know, I just put the music, Brian, back to that. Mm-hmm. It, definitely that spot on. And that's what we need in horror movies. I think, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy, folks. You don't have to get all CGI in us. Use some practical effects. Add some good music to it. You know, it's not everything's about the, the jump scares. Okay. It's about the feel. We want to feel like we're there. We want to feel the movie. Okay. And I don't know. That's that's just me personally. But again, that's a subject we're going to get into on another day. It's so much to talk about. I, this is why I love this hard 365. We're not, we're not narrowing it down to anything specific. You know, we're touching on all bases. And I got to ask you this question before we get into your top five. Okay. So if there's anything that you want to talk about on this show, what would it be uh, involving horror? Anything, anything at all? You know, there's so many things that we could talk about. Like you said, we could talk about the music of the horror movies. You know, I would like to talk to people in the industry, you know, both professionally and independently, you know. Uh, I find it fascinating. There's so many talented artists out there, people who create costumes, people who 
create the mask. Um, for me, you know, I know a lot of um, artists in the field with cosplay and they all have a good story to share. I would like to talk to horror writers, you know, like what yeah. goes through your mind? Dude, you're I want to know that too. Oh man, I'm yeah. with you on that. We definitely got to get some good writers on here because yeah, yeah. these guys have to be psychotic. I don't know if they're on medication, <laughs> if they're seeing doctors. Yeah. Like some of these movies are really creepy especially that one hereditary i want to speak to the writer of that i don't know who it was but <laughs> dude, that was wild yeah. uh, but continue um you know uh gosh i mean there's i mean there's so many different things we can talk about uh true crime that turned into a horror movie like finding you know talking about the real thing and not the hollywood adaption of it because oh, that yeah. sometimes is even scarier than that and then you also you know i think it would be cool if you and i went out to movie locations in horror you know and and did some um like uh on the spot location and you know we can show what you know the film clip and give a little history about the scene and everything i mean the the, the sky is the limit to what we can do with in this, this uh podcast or vlog cast whatever you want to call it I, I don't know what we're calling it here because uh it's gonna be on youtube it's gonna be on patreon uh and it's gonna be as a podcast and it's gonna be on all platforms anchor spotify google you name it that's where you can find horror 365 so you know, we're all over the place. Okay, we're like the COVID. We're like coronavirus. <laughs> we're more, hey, but but you know what? We're not going to kill you. We're going to entertain you. That's what we're here to do. And also inform you on, uh, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about. Like, I, I'm glad you brought up that uh, horror film and locations. Okay, because you and I were speaking about this uh, for some time now. And, you know, it's 2021. Uh, I have a game plan set this year, and I definitely want to go to some locations. I know Blairstown is one of them mm-hmm. on the list for uh, the film of the first Friday the 13th movie. Uh, but there's definitely more locations on that uh, list. And you know what? Could come to fruition. I have a team now. Uh, we could talk off air about that, man. We're talking yeah. about filming, editing professionally now. We want to bring some good content to you guys and girls or ghouls, whatever you want to call yourself, <laughs> out there that are uh, – taking the time just to listen to these two guys talk horror and uh, everything in the horror community and just to uh, support us. And, you know, speaking of support, Patreon, patreon.com slash Jimmy J Entertainment. Uh, it's three bucks a month, very low, uh, but the quality content that you're going to be receiving on a monthly basis is going to be through the roof, including a raffle. So the first five, as soon as we get five, actually, members on Patreon, we got three right now. We need two more. We get five people to support us on Patreon. I'm going to be starting a monthly raffles, Brian. And these raffles, man, you can get anything from, I mean, you name it. It's going to be a whole mystery crate full of something. It could be different things that we actually name what we're raffling off, and it's going to be live. We're going to be drawing that raffle live either on YouTube or Facebook. So a lot to come, a lot of things coming up, especially those special interviews, those exclusive rare interviews that we're going to have with some, some of the bigger names, if you will. Uh, we all do respect everybody else. Some of the bigger names on Patreon exclusively. So you're going to want to jump on board. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Jimmy J. I'll tell you one thing, Jimmy J. Um, sorry to, you know, I got No, nah, come on. Real quick. So, you know, with the, the Patreon members, if, you know, you want to subscribe three bucks a month, what is that? Like two cups of coffee a while? So <laughs> for that raffle, I'll also throw in something from my end. It could be an 8 by 10 print of one of my photo shoots. It could be some buttons that I have. You know, people love putting the buttons on their jackets or, you know, their bags going to the convention. So I'll add to Jimmy's uh, little mystery box, if you will. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. South Jersey Jason delivering always, as always. 
on multiple levels. I appreciate that, bud. Uh, but you know what? I would appreciate it more if we started getting into it. Oh, I can't wait. I'm excited. I feel like Randy said, oh, yeah. I'm excited <laughs> right now. I want to know what is the top five. All top right. Five. If I had a Freddy glove, I'd <laughs> Welcome All to right. time, bitch. Are, what, are, what are we doing here? Talk to me. Talk to All me. Right. What's number five? Oh, oh, wait a minute. We have the background just changed. Is, is this it? Is, it, is this number five? Psycho, yes, yes. Psycho, oh, the yeah. original. The original, not that crappy. Not 98. <laughs> no, no. Um, okay, why? Yeah. Talk to us. Okay, so Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, this little backstory, a little bit more back to me. Uh, in high school, my passion was film. I lived it, breathed it. You know, I took film courses in high school. I was all set to go to film school, and then something happened where I didn't get to, you know, do that. Um, and when I when I watched movies, I wasn't just watching it for the actors. I, I analyzed them, you know. And if I really liked something, I wanted to get to know more of the backstory, like what went into making it. And Alfred Hitchcock is he, you know, he's a one of a kind director, um, writer, producer. He was definitely a marketer, um, you know, in in from the twenties up until like the late sixties. He made so many movies and. Psycho was kind of like you say the predecessor of to the modern day slasher film. You know, people will say like um, Black Christmas or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the or the grandfathers or grandmothers of the slasher. And even though in Psycho, Norman Bates really only killed one person, um, it you know it's based off of a killer. Um, they, they you know he gets coined serial killer, but Ed Gein only really killed like one person, but dug up bodies. So Psycho was written by Robert Block in 1958, based upon the Ed Gein story, um, the butcher of, I forget what his name was, butcher Green, I forget, but just a sick, sick individual. <laughs> he also inspired Texas Chancellor Massacre. He inspired Buffalo Bills and Silence of the Lambs. Um, in the Psycho book, Norman Bates did not look like Anthony Perkins. He was actually a short husky person. Um, mm -hmm. So when you get a you know a good-looking guy like Anthony Perkins in there, because he was you know the the star you know in that time period, um, he just brought Norman Bates from script to screen and just did a fantastic job. And um, again, like with Psycho and these movies of that generation, if the if the, if the horror fans of today aren't educated. They're not going to know where all this came from. And Psycho, you know, was a lot of first. You know, it came out in 1960. It's still apple pie America, you know. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Women stayed at home. The husband went to work. So the first opening scene, you're a boyer. You know, it's panning over the city skyline, and you're going into a hotel room looking through the blinds, and to... Mm -hmm the couple just finished having sex and it's a first to show a woman in her bra. Okay. First movie to show a woman in a bra. Is, yeah. And you may not remember this, but <clears throat> Janet Lee wore a black bra. Okay. So symbolism, the good person, like we think of like the cowboys, the good cowboy wore white, the black or the bad cowboy wore black. Well, Janet Lee wore black. And, you know, in the movie, she wasn't a good person because she stole the money. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Right. And another first it was, um, first movie to show a flushing toilet. What? Okay. I never knew oh. that. <laughs> yep. Yep. yep, 
What was the big deal about it, though? I mean, it, well, remember, it's Apple Pie America on I Love okay. Lucy and all those TV shows. Mom and dad slept in separate beds. You know? Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're yeah. right. This is, yeah, they didn't want to show none of, none of that. And then, yeah. you know, the showers. I mean, yeah, there was, there was a lot of things in this movie, you're right, that was, uh, you know, not seen that often or wasn't seen at all. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the famous shower scene. Because yeah. of that, Janet Lee never took a shower after that. And I don't know if it was so much because of the scene itself, like being killed. I think it had a lot to do with Alfred Hitchcock because he wasn't so nice to his stars. And he was a little weird too. Like he, if you notice in all his movies, I think the majority of his movies always had a blonde female with who was, you know, had a nice pair of breasts. Uh, so he was a ladies man, but he... <laughs> Like, if you watched any of the biography movies or read books, like, every actress pretty much, it was a nightmare working for him, like, uh, in the birds and whatnot. Oh, yeah. He just wasn't the best because he strived to be 100%. And um, it's one of the earlier movies to have someone in, in drag, Lauren Bates. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's been a few movies before that, um, but, you know, they weren't. Hollywood movies. They were like your B C D E F G. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I remember my father telling me he saw it in the theater. And this is why I wish I grew up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Why is that? Because, you know, again, Apple Pie America, we're so desensitized today. N- nothing bothers oh. us. Well, okay. that's a topic for another day because I think it's, it's going. It's another topic. But like, it, when it, as it pertains to this, yeah. Yeah. Like, so, like so when when um, Vivian Lee, who played um, her name was Vivian Lee, played uh, oh gosh Vera Miles, Vera Miles, or Vivian, one of the names, played the sister of Janet Lee who got killed. Mm-hmm. She went down to the basement. She thinks it's Mrs. Bates. She turns the chair around, and it's you know like a a, a mummy mummified Mrs. Bates, and she <laughs> screams and hits the window, the the light, and it's going like this, and then the music goes on, and Lauren Bates comes out. <laughs> My father said when he went to go see that movie, everyone in the theater screamed. Okay, this this is a time like you know when you watch when you read like um books about film, you would see the pictures for a new movie and the line is like wrapped around the building down the street it happened for psycho it happened for star wars jaws the exorcist friday the 13th nightmare on elm street it doesn't really it doesn't happen like that again like going to a premiere like back in the day was like a big thing because we didn't have the internet we weren't oh yeah yeah there it is read about it in the paper or from a friend at work so yeah, the movie the movies were big. I mean, yeah. you know, this was this was an event. Yes. When you went to a movie to see a movie, it was an event. Nowadays, it's like, eh, well, maybe going to the movies. Let me just watch it on Netflix. Let me watch it on on cable or something like that. Yeah, back then, you know, times were different, man. And it, and like you said, this is something that you know people haven't seen before. And right. I wish I can like transport back to that time mm-hmm. just to feel that audience's reaction. While watching this movie, man. So right. that I mean, that's a great choice, though, man. That, that psycho. It um, you know, it had its share of sequels. Um, part two was fairly decent. Part three wasn't that great. Part four was made into a TV movie that was actually, I think Anthony Hopkins actually directed it, and I believe that was his last film before 
he passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then they had, I remember in the mid eighties, you know, I remember like when the T the broadcast networks would have like the movie of the week, which was like made by their company. Yeah. They had, they tried to do a pilot called, I think it was called, uh, might've been called Base Motel. And it was, it was basically uh, a, maybe a husband and wife buy the, the property and spooky things start happening. Didn't have anything to do with Norman Bates or anything. It was just a pilot movie and it didn't take off. And then, you know, just a few years ago, we had the successful Bates Motel, which yep. was like a revival. And it was really good. Freddie Highmore did a great job. I think he did a great job of embodying Norman Bates. And um, I can't think of her name. It's like, oh, she was in The Conjuring. Um, oh, God. Yeah, Throw it a blank myself. Yeah. Jesus. Um, she did a great job as, yeah. um, you know, especially like when he finally did kill her, you know, spoiler if you haven't seen it. Uh-oh, uh, there's spoiler alert. <laughs> so like it, it was, it was good. And um, it really captured someone who has a mental disease. And that's yeah. what I like because sometimes, you know, some of these uh, villains or whatnot, yeah. there is something wrong with them and they never really talk about it. And this really, you know, you really got to, yeah, you really get to see that because like you know. they're labeled villains, yeah, but they have conditions, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And then they have, they have something going on with them that, you know, it, it shows people that, you know what, not everybody is, I mean, yeah, the guy's a killer, he's a killer, but he has, you know, he's mentally unstable. Right. And there are people like this in that they don't do it intentionally. Right. You know, it, this is just something wrong with them. There's something off. There, there's a chemical imbalance, whatever it is. But, you know, you think of, you know, think of Psycho. And I remember you said, well, the second one came out in the 80s, right? I believe. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and it took so long to come out, but it was perfect because I feel, honestly, when you think of slasher movies, like Psycho was up there as like yeah. the beginning. That's it. This is where it began, you know, you know, like the genesis of slasher films. So if they didn't create, a sequel in the eighties, I would have been disappointed, right. honestly, man. Cause the, the 80 slashers were like, they dominated the eighties. So yeah. I think it was, it was perfect. And it, it picked up, but then like you said, sometimes it's too many sequels and yeah. it just doesn't make sense. But they, but they really could have left off after psycho two, because psycho two basically deals with Norman getting out of the asylum. And he, all he wants to do is, um, you know, get back to a normal life and he gets a job at the diner. And unfortunately <laughs> the woman that he meets is the daughter of uh, the sister of Janet Lee, and wow. their whole their whole goal was to make him go crazy again, so they can catch him in the act of doing something. And it did work, and but it didn't work out for them. <laughs> well, dude, I, I got to tell you, I, honestly, this is a good one. I didn't expect this number five, yeah. but if this is five, Brian, what's four? What do we got for four? All right. Oh. <laughs> oh yes now oh man i'm excited i'm ex- i'm looking at that and i thought for a second like you were here in my apartment because <laughs> people don't know this uh, i'll show it i'll overlay it but there's a there's a picture there's a uh dream warriors poster on my wall this is ugh, i don't even want to spoil it but yeah this is one up there with my uh, my yeah. top five definitely spoiler alert, fine it's one of my top five which one is it you'll find out next week but damn Talk to us about Dream Warriors, Brian. All right. So Dream Warriors. This one came out the year you were born, 1987. Great year. Great year. Yes, great year. <laughs> and, you know, while, you know, obviously 
the the original Nightmare on Elm Street Part One was a defining another defining moment in movie history when it came out in '84. While I loved it because it was scary, Part Three he actually had people that could go toe to toe with him in the dream world. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. They they weren't like defend. They weren't scared. They're like, yo, listen, we're here. We got our superpowers in the movie. I don't know, dude. I love this movie, but I want you to continue. Let yeah, us know. So, um, you know, again, this movie introduced us to Patricia Arquette. Uh, Larry Fishburne had a small role as the orderly in it. Um, and it brought back Nancy from part one and uh, Heather Langenkamp and the late great John Saxon reprised his role as his father. You know, he was the, uh, he's not a cop anymore. He's just a local security guard or something like that. He's <laughs> a trunk. Uh, so it deals with um, the remaining uh, Elm Street kids, and they're all in this insane asylum for their same reason. Uh, and Kristen is the newest one. Uh, I, I just, um, I, I love the, just the beginning, like when she's building the, 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 the Kruger house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleep. Yeah. Um, and then she sees the little girl and she's picking her up and then she's like, put me down. And it's a skeleton. <laughs> exactly. No, dude. <laughs> That movie, I gotta, I gotta talk about that too. Uh, you know, it ties up, it ties up those loose ends, uh, you know, from the first one because the second one was, as a movie, okay, it was a good movie, mm-hmm. but it just didn't follow like any sequence. It just didn't yeah. fit in, in the series. Uh, so it's like we went from the first something totally different to second, and then boom, third just kind of like got us back on track, yeah. and then started a whole other uh, series, you know, for the ne- for the sequels, you know, following that. But, dude. This movie for me, I don't know what it is, man. It's just like as far as this franchise goes, it's my favorite in the franchise. It, it ties up those loose ends, and I think that you know Patricia Arquette, she did a hell of a job. Um, I think that uh, Heather Langenkamp as well. Even though some people say her voice can be annoying, I think that you know it's just her being there, her presence yeah. alone. It just it made it for me, and then yeah. uh, Saxon as well. You know, her father, uh, but. Also, I, I know I'm doing too much talking. This is no, this is you. Okay. Yeah, 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 man. So um, we also got introduced to Freddie's mom, per se, you know, um, the, the nun, um, which I thought was really cool. And then you, when the, the doctor finds out, he like runs into her, her uh, tombstone at the end. But then when the, um, the, uh, the kids get their powers in the dream, they, they go under like hypnosis. So yeah. you have Kincaid uh, breaking the chair. Um, you have um, the one kid in the wheelchair, but he can now stand up and he's like a magician. He's the wizard master. And then you have Terry with her mohawk. And then she's got her, she's got her knives. You know, in my dreams, I'm beautiful. And oh then, yeah. What'd you, what'd you think about that? What'd you think about the little special powers that they got in the dreams? I thought that was cool. It, you know, it, um, it encompassed something like of their character, you know, like Terry, was abused, you know, um, I think she was abused by, she was a former drug addict. Um, and of course, I think, I believe, I think her backstory, she was abused. Uh, so yeah, she had to be beautiful and bad. Um, Kincaid, you know, he, uh, I think he probably grew up on the bad side of town and probably, you know, maybe he got bullied, you know, but he had a little bit of temper anyway. So that's why he was yeah. strong in his dreams. And then um, the kid in the wheelchair, I can't think of his name. He was a nerd, so obviously they had to give him that power, you know, the wizard master. Um, And then Joey, you know, they never really said why he didn't talk, but in his dreams, he could talk. So, and I think because he could talk, um, 
you know, he broke the mirrors. Yeah. And, um, but, but then also said to, you know, poor Joey has bad luck, you know, part three, he's making out with a nurse and then she spits the tongues out. at him. <laughs> yeah. And then in part four, uh, the, uh, the, the model on the um, poster. Yeah, bad choice in women. I got to tell you, Joe, I feel bad. I mean, I, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and this is when Freddie gets his infamous one-liners. You know, the famous yeah. famous line out of that movie is, welcome to primetime, bitch. Yeah. And, um, that, you know, that's probably my favorite Freddie line. Um, and, and sort of like maybe in the first 20, 25 minutes, the puppet Freddie creep the hell out of me oh yeah dude dude yeah me too i hate dolls i hate porcelain dolls and again this is going back to the 80s when they did practical you know stop animation you know so and uh it was very creepy and just the whole scene where the kids just walking down the aisle like this yeah and then you see freddie over the building like with the puppeteer and the slices it yeah um and then going to the junkyard to get his bones. It reminded me of a classic movie called Jason and the Aragonauts, where um, he's fighting the skeleton, like the, the skeleton army, which inspired the skeleton army in Army of Darkness, you know? So when Freddy's attacking them in the graveyard. Yeah. Um, so they're in the dream world and um, they think they beat Freddy. You know, he had the souls of the children that give him the power. Um, they think they beat him. Some of them died, you know? Um, the kid in the wheelchair got killed by a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you got? Like, irony in that one. Yeah, and, um, you know, Terry got killed by the uh, the needles on Freddy's claw. Yeah, and, it's like... Um, yeah, so some of them didn't make it out, but, you know, that's that's what happened. used all their, uh, their uh, whatchamacallit, against them, really, like their, their weaknesses. Their weaknesses, Yeah, weaknesses exactly. against yeah. them, yeah. And, um, you know, I think that the way it was written, the way it was done was perfect. I think adding this little like Avenger style, um, you know, team to go up against Freddie and uh, give them their powers. That was awesome. I mean, it just made it a little more exciting to see what was going to happen too. Uh, the fact that, you know, Nancy, I know this is, this could be like a whole episode here alone, like really getting into it, but like, you know, just a quick overview, you know, the fact Nancy uh, came back and, you know, they killed her off and the father that tied that up. And now we're yeah. going into the next the transition into the next group of people. You know, I, I thought it was just so well done, man. Yeah. And yeah. the one line for some reason that stuck out to me in this movie was, was Freddie's mother. It was Amanda Kruger when she says, I think it was your only like, faith yeah. is science. It may be yeah. you that's laid to rest. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but like, and unfortunately, in my opinion, this was the last Freddie movie to be scary up until like say new nightmare. You know, yeah, four or five. Uh, what we had, um, the dream master, the dream child, and then Freddy's dead. That's when Freddy went, um, commercial, comical, yeah, was on MTV. You know, he was all over the place. You know, he had his own 1 900 number for Pete's sake. (laughs) (laughs) He was out there, man. They they, Freddy was whoring himself out out there, man. I mean, again, he. He was he was all over the place. So yeah, yeah, he definitely had that transition in this movie. Yeah. You can tell. So when they did New Nightmare, it they made it scary again because, you know, Freddy came out into the real world. Now, granted, it wasn't the Freddy Krueger; it was like a demon. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really liked that aspect, you know, and it brought back a lot of the characters from the original, you know, uh, Robert England, John Saxon. And they uh, were playing their real personality. And yes. that was the beauty of it. I was like, yeah. oh, this is cool how they did this. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, rest in peace to Wes Craven. Wes you Craven. Know, he, we lost him too soon, you know. So, I mean, he, you know, he also did movies that weren't even horror. He did a movie in the 90s with Meryl Streep about uh, school in New York and they were singers or something. So, again. School in New know. York sounds like a horror movie to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that's my number four. That's four. What do we got for three? All right. Oh, man, I'm wondering, because this is four. Jeez, what could be three here? All right, here we go. Wait a minute. All right. Is that what I think? The Exorcist. Oh, man. I I was... You know what? Something told me this was going to be somewhere in the top five. Talk to us about The Exorcist, Brian. So my biggest fear is things that can happen in real life. And there's nothing scarier than the devil or demons. That's what scares me. I believe in the paranormal. I believe in, you know, um, you know, demons and whatnot. So I think, you know, as far as paranormal stuff, the first paranormal activity freaked the hell out of me. I like the found footage movies myself. And there's a scene in the first paranormal activity where they're sleeping and the door slams and then they hear something moan. That scared the shit out of me. And I turned the lights on after that. <laughs> yep, so, I've had my own experiences. Yeah, so yeah. with The Exorcist, 1973, again, a movie that before the internet, you just heard about it, reading in the papers. People were throwing up in the, in the theaters because they were so scared, passing out, you know, having to call EMTs. So we have, um, we had in the beginning of the movie, it's, it's, uh, it's in like, um, Somewhere in the Middle East, you know, we have Max von Sydow playing. He's an archaeologist. We just see him as an archaeologist. We don't know he's a, a priest. And, you know, he, you know, finds like this little statue and we're like, well, what the heck is that, you know? And then it goes to Washington, D.C. and we're introduced to Reagan and her mom. And I remember the mom like puts Reagan to bed and she hears a noise in the attic. <laughs> scared the crap out of me. They're saying it's like raccoons or squirrels or something. Like, that ain't no squirrel. (laughs) No, no, no. no. I must be a big squirrel. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So, possession just scares me. So, when Reagan started getting possessed, of course, you know, it's in the 70s. So, they're they're thinking it's psychological and they put her through all these tests and that spinal tap. Mm. Oh, like... I'm not a big fan of needles. Mm. I I had to get testing mm-hmm. done for a back procedure, and the needle was like that big. And oh God Almighty! They, they had yeah, to go. No. Into, they had to go into my bone, and it was like a screw. Felt like a screwdriver. You oh know? Jesus so Christ! I could, I could relate to her pain. Yeah, I feel it. I feel you're saying I'm feeling. And poor poor um, Linda Blair, what she went through that movie, like um, the scene where she's in bed. And the mom comes home for the first time after, you know, she's been having these issues and she's like going back and up, back and up. She was in a machine and they were doing that to her, you know? So 12 years old going through that. um, And, you know, and then when she finally turned, you know, finally gets full possessed and um, she lays back down and like her throat swells up, you know? Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen this movie in such a long time, but I remember that. Yeah. I remember certain yeah. scenes from it, but it's just, uh, this movie scared the hell out of me. I remember I was young. I remember it was right after I watched child's play and got 
the shit scared out of me. And my father made me watch this one, I remember. And I again, it just happened. And again, I, I remember it very vaguely, but I do know that this is one of those movies that people talk about that is like one of the you know top five scariest movies of all time. Uh, but so what made you, and this is my question to you, what made you put this before Dream Warriors and before Psycho? Because the fact that it can happen. Yeah. And it can happen to anyone. You know, I've lot you know, I've watched a lot of documentaries. Uh recently I watched one um oh gosh, it was on Netflix, I think. And it was a guy, a priest who's done like over a hundred exorcisms. Oh, and um he was in the middle of one and it was like the it was like the third or fourth one with the same person, you know? And um actually I think the I think the interviewer was, oh man, was it William Peter Vladdy? I'm not sure. Um, it was someone that might have been in the, the like, had to do with the original film. But, uh, you know, the Catholic society, they, they hushed this stuff for the longest time because they didn't want yeah. to be known for that. And again, the exorcist is based on a true story um, that happened in uh, the, the mid 40s. And, I believe um, this, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, man. This, this is yeah, you're right, and that's why I, I can agree with you. Yeah, especially when you hear something based on a true story. Yeah, it immediately grabs your attention. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, what happened? <laughs> you know, and I mean, some of these are, you know, psycho, true psychological. Yeah, um, and some of it, you know, could be the parents, like with Munchausen by proxy syndrome, doing it to the person, but. You know, there's another horror movie that came out mid 2000s called The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and that was based on a real life exorcism in Germany in the 50s. Her name was Annalise, mm -hmm. and this was the first time that the priest and the family were brought up on charges, and because she died. And oh, if shit. you watch, there's no video of the exorcism, but there's audio watch it on youtube and listen to oh it. man you're gonna hear that in the let me tell you something man i don't know brian i feel i feel it coming now i think i'm possessed here <laughs> i think oh wait a minute we got a we got a great show here <laughs> Give me that. so i think, I think um, i'm yeah so getting back to the exorcist yeah, um we have father damien who um the mom seeks out because he's both a uh, psychiatrist and a uh, priest and when he witnesses what reagan was going through that's when he uh calls on father Karras because he is the exorcist played by the late great max von Sydow. and little trivia i mean max von Sydow was like he was in his 70s in this movie um but he was actually like in his like mid 40s you know great makeup <laughs> and you know that the, the ending scene always gets me when well, there's two. When they're like, the power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. And then, like, she throws up on them and whatnot. But um, when he goes in and sees that Father Karras had died during the exorcism and she's like giggling, he starts, you know, beating the crap out of her. And he's like, take me, take me. So the, the demon jumps into him and you see his eyes and he's in, he's in such a rage but he still has enough control to jump out the window and jumping out that window and the the, the effects of him going down yeah you felt like you jumped out that window and he was still alive when his friend who was another uh priest came by and saw him because he's yeah. given him his last rice and you still see his 
his fingers moving. Um, and little known fact, the actor who played Father Damien is the uh, father of Jason Patrick from The Lost Boys. He played oh. Michael, who was oh, wow. that bit, you know, who was a new news member of the uh, the Vampire Tribe. So I didn't even um, know that, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, Linda Blair, she's you know she was known for many, many, many years as. Uh, Reagan from The Exorcist, and that's like her biggest role to date. So she does do conventions, and I did meet her a few years ago at NJ HorrorCon, and I was a little upset because she won't talk anything about The Exorcist. Why not? She just wants to move on from that <laughs> because her new passion is animal rescue, namely dogs, which I'm all for. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. And you know, um, I think I believe the money that she raises from the autographs goes toward, towards it, which is great and all. But um, you can't get anything like personally signed. It's just your name. You can't put any. She won't do like any inscriptions for you, okay. um, and she won't. She doesn't allow like cell phone photos, you know. But while mm -hmm. she's talking to you, she talks about her animal rescue, which is great and all because I love yeah. animals. But I want to know what it's like to suck cocks in hell or something, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, give me a little input on that. Oh, that's a beautiful or, pool. Or, but anyway. <laughs> what was it like to date Rick James? You dated Rick James. Yeah. Oh, really God, know. Rick James. But he's one of the finest <laughs> motherfuckers of all time. Hold his drink, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> Look, she dated yeah. Michael Jackson for a little bit. I want to know that. You want to know that she doesn't unveil anything. She just no, strictly no. business. I'm talking strictly about business. the poodles, yeah. the puppies. And yeah. uh, the golden retreat. Yeah, that's it. That's wow. Yeah. That's and I mean, well, bless her. I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, it's a beautiful thing that she does with the animal yeah. rescue. But I mean, yeah. come on, just give us it was a little just, bit. It was just a little bit of letdown because I mean, she's not cheap for an autograph. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, come on. You think you get and a professional yeah. photo op? There's no cell phone photos included with the autograph. Oh Jesus yeah. Christ! I mean, her her assistant was kind enough to sneak some photos for me as she's signing. You know, mm. um, so I thank him for that, but. You know, for the price of the autograph, a no. cell phone photo should be included with that. But I can say I have a really cool eight by ten of her levitating on the bed, and she autographed it in green <laughs> uh, marker. So yeah, and she doesn't want to. Uh, it is what it is, you know. But you know, some people know her from this, and yeah. you know, I mean, come on, acknowledge that. Yeah, and, and just give give back just a little bit, even if you don't want to talk much, just a little bit. You know, make your fans happy. I mean, these people coming out paying the money. I mean, I would do it even if I wanted to move on. Hey, listen, this is what they know me for. I've done this. I'm not ashamed. You know, hey, I'll throw you a line or something like that. Yeah. Definitely, but that's yeah. my belief on it. Some of the actors, you know, of you know of the movies in these time frames, this is their only bread and butter. You know, so the fans are helping them make a living. So. Yeah. You know, just a little bit kinder. <laughs> just a little bit. But, but Brian, that's number three here. We got three down and we got two to go. What is it? What is number two? Don't tease us any longer. Right. Oh, there it is. I, listen, yeah. I'm wait, I was waiting for a Michael Myers movie. I'm like, okay, I'm assuming I'm not going to jump the gun here, but I'm assuming that number one has to be a Friday the 13th if number two is Halloween. But we don't know that. We're talking yeah. number two. Halloween the night. He came home 1978. Talk to us, Brian. All right, so 1978, directed by John Carpenter and produced by Deborah Hill, who is uh, from 
Haddonfield, New Jersey, only like 45 minutes from me. So that is where the name Haddonfield, Illinois came from, a little nod there to Denver's hometown. So when John Carpenter wrote this, the one thing, if you think about this movie, there's, there's, there's no blood throughout the whole movie. Oh, man, you know what? I, I didn't even realize that till now until you mentioned it. You're right. <laughs> there is no blood. Yeah. Why, why is that? Did, did you, you know, know the, the facts behind that? Or? No, you know, I don't know the facts. And actually, I was on Amazon and there are two books that I want to get. They're a little pricey. Um, it's basically it's the first one is about the making of the movie from script to screen. And then the second one talks about the sequels and the sequels that never were. So I am interested to see what kind of sequels that we could have gotten. I mean, it couldn't have been as bad as Resurrection, but that's a whole other Oh, God almighty. (laughs) Yeah, please. So what I loved about this film, Carpenter went almost Hitchcockian on us, you know? So, I mean, this movie is probably, other than Michael Myers, most famous for is the music, the score. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that's all written by John Carpenter. He actually scored the majority of all his movies. Um, very talented pianist. Uh, you know, originally it was called The Babysitter Murders because this was supposed to be like a one and done type film. Because, um, yeah. you know, when they thought about doing sequels, it was supposed to be like an anthology. So when they named it Halloween, they were thinking the sequels would be anthology movies, hence Season of the Witch. So, and that really. Uh, oof, yeah. I mean, standalone movie, it's not bad. Yeah, well, part of the series made zero yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, so um, again, this was an independent film. Um, I think it, it cost $500,000 to make and the money it grossed was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, it's the on-screen performance of Jamie Lee Curtis, daughter of Janet Lee from Psycho, Psycho yeah. and Tony Curtis, the very out flamboyant um, actor. I don't know what Jamie Lee saw on him. I never <laughs> liked him as an actor, but who knows? Um, so, and you know, they didn't call Mike, and if you look in the credits, they didn't call Michael Myers, Michael Myers. They did when he was out of costume. Yeah. He was called the shape. The shape. You know? Yep. And that's what he was. He was um, in the shadows and that mask is iconic probably second to the the hockey mask or Freddy Krueger. And, you know, that was a William Shatner mask, you know, from Star Trek. Yeah. How they got it. And, and dude, I got to tell you, man, you you talk about between the mask and the score. Like you said, mm-hmm. as soon as it opened up, just right from jump, man. And it got you from right there with, yeah. that, with that theme. And then when you've seen him and you've seen the mask, it's like, oh, man, this, yeah. who is this? I mean, people question marks everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they filmed it in California because obviously you could, you, there's no palm trees in, in New Jersey or Illinois. Um, <laughs> so when they were filming, the leaves that you see on the ground, when they were done that scene, cast and crew were raking them up and putting them in a bag to bring over to the next scene. So everyone, everyone had a part to play in that film because it was such a low budget. And of course, you had the great Donald Pleasance as Sam Loomis. And that guy, man, he got shit on on all the movies. You let him out. He didn't let him out. He was trying to keep him in. <laughs> <laughs> he did, man. He did it. Donald Pleasance did an incredible job uh, acting. I think he really made um, the movies that he was in involved in. I don't know if it's the tone 
uh, or his delivery or both. He he's a great actor. He was a great actor. Yeah. Uh, God rest his soul. I mean, you know, he passed away. I think during the filming of a uh, Curse. Right after, I think right, right after. after Cursed, and I think they were going to do reshoots, so that's why, you know, what, I mean, I do like Curse for what it was. Yeah, um, I'm it one of the too few. Bad. The I know, I'm with you on that, though, yeah. actually. It was something about it that, that was, it wasn't horrible. It right. wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either, but it, it was there, you know? Yeah, and the producer's cut's, you know, okay as well. So if you haven't seen the producer's cut, I suggest... Um, take a look at that uh so yeah halloween you know was it was this very successful movie and it's you know i have all the movies on dvd even though resurrection is part of that collection uh, does it really have to be i mean <laughs> i mean people <laughs> think three is better right. than resurrection oh god I, I had this um argument with um someone he was saying that Resurrection was better than Part Six, and I was like, "Get the heck out of here, <laughs> dude!" You know, what? we got to ask the fans right now, uh, guys, girls listening and, and viewing this. What do you think? What do you think is worse? Okay, uh, the worst Halloween movie in the franchise is it Three Season of the Witch? Is it The Curse Number Six? Is it Your know, Resurrection, or is it something else? I mean, let us know. Shoot us an email. Uh, matter of fact, just shoot it over to Jimmy J Entertainment at gmail.com right now, and let us know what do you think. What do you think is the worst Halloween movie in the franchise? I got to know this because honestly, there's a big debate going on here, Brian, in the horror community. From what I know, it's it, you know, a large group of people are saying Resurrection. And then you have those that are saying three because it made no sense. But I'm like, How, three made no sense. Yeah, fine. But Resurrection made no sense. Right. You know, it's like the, the whole franchise is all over the map. But yeah. Well, you know, thank, thank God for 2018 Halloween. Oh, you know? thank God, yes. I was a little nervous about that, given, like, one of the writers, uh, you know, he's, he's a comedic actor, and he's great at being a comedian. And when, you know, I found out he was going to write it, I was a little skeptical. But when I saw it in the theaters, I was like, yeah, this, if they finish it with this movie, I, I don't care if they make any more. I'm done. You know, this, this satisfied me as the horror fan. But, dude, Halloween, great movie, classic. Uh, I'm happy that's up there on your top five. And one day we're going to dive into this movie a little more uh, mm -hmm. deeper. But I'm, I got to know, Brian, what is number one? What wow. is, drum roll, please, baby, what's number one? We couldn't have number one without Halloween. I knew it had to be. You <laughs> are a Jason cosplayer. I knew number one had to be something with yes. Friday 13. You know so, what? What a without Halloween, we would not get Friday the 13th because Victor Miller, the writer, will tell you he copied the formula for Halloween. So that's how we got Friday the 13th. Wow. See, I see. I didn't know that. And yeah. maybe some of you out there that are viewing this didn't know that either. I mean, but even though we copied it, it was... It was two, you know, different movies. Yes, it was a slasher, but right. it was just completely different. He just took the formula. Instead of, yeah. you know, being in a house, it's set in the woods, you know? Okay, yeah. And you have, a, you have a killer in the shadows. Now talk about this, Jason. Because See, I called you Jason. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I'm just... It, it, this, is, this happens, Brian. Uh, talk, Brian, Jason, it's the, the same name to me. Okay, talk to us about Friday the 13th, 1980 original. Okay, yes. We was in blast. So, yes. So the reason it's called the original is because again, when they made this movie, 
um, they never thought there would be any sequel. So that's why if you talk to a diehard fan, that's why they always say the original. Yep. So Friday 13th filmed in my home state of Blairstown, New Jersey, not too far from you, a little farther from me. You're a little bit closer than I am, but um, Blairstown, New Jersey located Warren County. And so Sean Cunningham was a struggling uh, director, producer, and he needed something to get him back. Well, not that he really was there at the time, but he needed to be somewhere on the top. So he put an ad out in like the village paper in New York and with the, with the title Friday the 13th and just did like some fake taglines or something. That piqued people's interest. So he's like, oh shit, now I got to make a movie. So, you know, he got the financial backing and Paramount was going to be the distributor. And when they were scouting locations, they had found a camp that they wanted to use, but then when they were going to film, they got lost and that's how we got Camp Crystal Lake, which is actually Camp Libby Bosco in Hardwick Township, um, which actually looked more uh, dilapidated than the camp they had originally found. So um, filming you know, took place over the summer of 1979 and into the fall. And you know, we actually have a Hollywood A-lister. Uh, it was like one of his first, uh, motion picture premiere and that's the great kevin bacon and he's another person that won't talk about friday the 13th i don't understand that man you, you know there's a lot of a-listers that started out in the horror genre yeah yeah you know and yeah. it's why why are you gonna forget where you came from yeah he does very very limited autograph signings and usually they're private signings for like uh, you know, like an agency, like uh, I think it's called CPA Autographs. Um, but if you go to see his his music show, he won't autograph anything Friday Thirteenth related because he will say, "Do you know how much money you can make off of that?" Just it's so rare, you know. Oh man! Yeah. So I think yeah, one day, on. I think one day he will bite the bullet per se and um, go to autographs. I mean, that would be great if he did, because he would be like another holy grail for Friday. Oh yeah collectors so with friday the 13th you know it's set up in 1957 their counselors are singing kumbaya and then the two <laughs> counselors go off to um have some nookie and you know this is still in the early bad mix in a horror film this is the early days of the slasher formula you can't drink you can't have sex and you can't say i'll be back <laughs> Um, so they're killed with, you know, within the first five minutes, we have our first two deaths and that pretty much sets up the tone. Uh, so, you know, um, the, the movie has its memorable deaths. Obviously Annie, who's the first girl that we see gets killed and we're thinking, you know, that's like the red herring. You think she's going to be most likely the final girl and then she's killed off kind of like Janet Lee and psycho. Okay. Yeah. So, um, we have another uh, legend, not so much legend of him, but who his father was. We have Harry Crosby played uh, Ned, or no, Bill. I'm sorry, Bill. Um, he is Bing Crosby's son. So that's Bing Crosby's son. That is Bing Crosby. Oh man, son. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know. I See, this is right. He lives in New York too. Oh York man, City. he's a uh, like a banker, like a high. I'm not sure if he's like a stockbroker or he does something with the banking field now. Oh, wow, man, I didn't know. And that. he he does conventions every so often. Um, so, you know, it takes place in one night, people are getting killed left and right, and then we're finally, uh, revealed that it's Mrs. Voorhees, played by the late, great Betsy Palmer. Were you shocked? Yes, 
I was shocked because I, you know, I was young when I saw it. So I think I thought it was going to be a deranged killer or something. But then when I, when I got a little it's bit older. Lady, Golden yeah. Girls. One of the Golden Girls did it. When I got a little older, I, I thought it was Steve Christie, the owner of the camp, because him and Betsy Palmer both drove the same style Jeep. Yeah. You know? But the, the only reason they did that was because they didn't, they had limited funds. So when Betsy Palmer's driving the Jeep, it tops up. When Steve's driving it, it tops down. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's crazy. And that's, and that's great. This movie was a low, low budget film. I believe. Oh also. gosh, like you know, probably the same like five hundred thousand dollars to make. I don't know the exact money, but it made it made its money and then oh, some. Dude, least, yeah. And, and you think about what you said, Betsy Paul. Oh my God, it's just she's so innocent, so a friend of the Christies, and yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. the voice and in her head, it's like kill him, mommy, yeah. kill him. And you know, that's another thing. <laughs> it's the whole mental disorder yeah. because you know. Obviously, the woman's off her rocker. Okay, <laughs> yeah. she's she she you know her son's dead, or so she thinks. Like, well, in this movie, the son's dead because you know the sequels weren't even on the table. But then she's like talking to her son. But you know, it's really cool. Um, there was a two-run issue comic, and I only had the first uh, issue. It was called Pamela's Tale, and okay. she's pregnant with Jason, and she's in an abusive relationship, and she, you know, ends up killing Jason's father, Elias Voorhees. But during this whole time, the wound, the, the fetus in her is talking to her. Oh, so, you know, <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get the second issue because the second issue it leaves off like after she kills Elias, she gets on a bus and skips town, and she ends up in the town of Crystal Lake, and she becomes like a cook at the diner. And um, the boss had said, "Hey." Um, the summer camp is looking for help. They need a new cook if you want to be a cook. So that's like how she gets the job at Crystal Lake. So I have to get the second issue, but they're a little, they're not pricey, but you know, they're also hard to, to find. Like I, I see them ever so often on eBay. But Dude, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. You see, you know what? This movie, you know, I think about Friday the 13th and, uh, you know, slashers in general. I mean, that's obviously. For those that haven't got it already, and this is the first episode, I mean, I'm a huge slasher fan, okay? Um, you know, I think of the series, like like the sequels, and, you know, I don't know, man. I, I just think, I know it has its parts, you know, people talk about part five or whatever, you know, whatnot like that, but, like, if you look at the first four movies, solid, dude, I think, in my opinion. First four, I even like five, to be honest with you. Six was my personal favorite. Uh, seven wasn't even bad. Jason uh, takes the boat or Manhattan, whatever you want to call it. I mean, we go down a lot. People, and then people want to kill you when you mention Jason goes to hell um, or Jason X. But you know what? I mean, dude, this was the beginning of one of the most iconic slashers of all time. I mean, look what it did for you. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, think about it. Like you're you're a Jason cosplayer. Yeah, you're and, and, and you're doing this professionally now, Brian, yeah, and and yeah. you're getting gigs off of him, off of this movie, off of this franchise. Yeah. You're getting compensated, being you, obviously, but playing Jason, and you do a hell of a job at it, by the way, man. Thank you. The best one I've seen in the business, Thank you. and um, best cosplay period I've seen in the business. But anyway, the thing is, like, just think about that. Think of like how much this impacted uh, the horror community. You know, this movie right here, a low budget film just hit a home run and it doesn't happen often, but it did. 
This was an incredible film, 1980. Uh, any last thoughts, though, on the Friday the 13th franchise for you personally? Um, yeah, you know, so for our listeners who might be in the tri-state area, like New Jersey, New York, Delaware, Connecticut, go on over to Blairstown, New Jersey, Warren County, and go visit. Uh, you know, they have a Friday 13th museum. Right now, it's not open due to COVID, but there is no feeling for a Friday fan to step onto the filming locations for the very first time. I went to Blairstown way back in 2010. And if you remember the opening scene where Annie's walking on Main Street, it pretty much looked like that in 2010. It's only just been recently where Main Street has been um, revitalized due to like the Blairstown Museum and the Friday the 13th Museum. Um, if you get a chance, go to campcrystallaketours.com they're, they're doing tours more often. They were pricey for a little bit, but they backed down on those prices to make them affordable. Like when I first did my tour, it was 175 for four hours. And then they got a little bit greedy and were charging a little bit more money, but the fans were paying it, you know? Oh, yeah. And fans um, are paid diehards well. And they did have, you know, the some of the actors from the original, which was also an added bonus, but you know, that's not included with your ticket fees. So, you know, you need a couple hundred bucks when you're going to the tour. But again, if you're a diehard fan, there's no better feeling than stepping into Blairstown or Camp Crystal Lake. It's like uh, a kid opening Christmas presents Christmas morning. It's just I, agree with, I agree with you, Brian. I've been there first time. My first time there was uh, back in November, November 13th, yes. Friday 13th. Uh, with you and, and, and the crew down there, great group of people, honestly, man. Blairstown Museum and then, you know, uh, Miss Ayurado, she does a great job. She's the curator of the museum down there, uh, Friday 13th and Blairstown Museum. Uh, the community in general, Blairstown Diner and everybody, it's just so welcoming over there. And they they own it. Yeah. They own it that this is, hey, this is our claim to fame right here. Friday mm -hmm. 13th, this is the town. Guys, girls, if you love horror in general you don't even have to love friday the 13th okay but if you love horror and you appreciate it this is a town you need to go to because this is a franchise uh that left its mark in the horror community you have to support them uh it's a great group of people down there uh every friday the 13th we do some uh something special you guys do down there and hopefully this year there's only one friday the 13th this year but i'll be down there you'll be down there and hopefully we just hit a home run and Add a little spice to uh, this year's Friday the 13th. I'm trying to do something special. Uh, so stay tuned on that, folks. But definitely make it down to Blairstown, New Jersey. Brian, this has been, uh, man, your top five blew me out of the water here, man. I I'm so excited that you named the movies that you did. I was a little surprised with a couple of them. But, of course, you delivered on uh, what I knew. I knew Jason was going to be up there, number one. <laughs> I, I, I felt it, man. And I was just thinking, was it going to be one or six? Because I know you said six was your personal yeah. favorite. So I'm thinking, okay, Jason lives. But I think you did a great job. Number one Thank you. has to be number one, man. I and wanted to keep you on the edge of your seat. Oh, man, I was falling off the seat when I seen <laughs> some of these. <laughs> no, nah, but, dude, listen, episode one, this has been an incredible start to what I think is going to be a huge success of entertainment and, uh, you know, information for you guys because you're the guy – that provides most of that information. I do a little research, but you're really the brains behind this operation. Me, I'm just here to entertain you and to uh, and to deliver whatever the hell I deliver. I don't even know what I deliver, Brian. <laughs> it's not pizza, though. It's horror. 365, baby. We're doing it. 365, well, maybe not every single day, but we're doing it all year round, every single week, once a week. Check us out. We're all over all platforms, all 
you name it, Google, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, we're there for your audio. And of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Jimmy J Entertainment and patreon.com slash Jimmy J Entertainment. Go over there, support us a little bit. And hey, you might get a little extra every single month with that raffle. Brian, I want to leave you. The floor is yours right now. Episode one, talk to the fans. All right, everyone. Like Jimmy said, I, it's hard to follow up, Jimmy. I just, you know, he is, as I call it, a pit bull of the Northeast. But oh, like, God. Everything, <laughs> every, everything Jimmy said, yes. Uh, you know, uh, subscribe to us wherever you can. When, when we're on the uh, on the audio, uh, Spotify, Anchor, Podbean, wherever. We'll be wherever. You know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Patreon. Remember, three bucks a month. That's like two cups of coffee at Wawa, and I'll throw in some extra stuff for Jimmy's raffle. We got a lot in store this year, both on the podcast and outside of the podcast. So just um, this is the first episode of many, many more, and we have a lot of great events that we'll be talking about coming up. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Oh, and one more thing. Listen, you got to follow this guy. You got to see his cosplay work at South Jersey Jason on Instagram and on Facebook, South Jersey Jason. Check him out. You'll see him. Not like you see him now, folks. It's going to be a little more intimidating, a little more frightening, but it's going to be enjoyable. All right, horror heads, we'll see you next week with my top five horror movies of all time. Take care.